Attention listeners, this podcast contains graphic content, explicit language, frightening stories, and other adult content not suitable for listeners under the age of 18. This podcast may also contain triggers for suicide, depression, and other types of mental illness. Listener discretion is advised. dark, disturbing, horrific, historical, anomalous, ancient, scientific, sensational, interesting, entertaining, malevolent, metal, criminal, conspiratorial, and occasionally fun and funny. Enter if you dare, survive if you can. This is The Monster's Lair. Alright, so let's get into it. This is episode one, sleep paralysis. So what is sleep paralysis? Well, for this and the scientific explanation, I consulted the sleepfoundation.org. This is their statement. You may have heard the experience of feeling like you can't move during a dream, but if this has happened while you're in the process of falling asleep or waking up, this experience has a name. Sleep paralysis. During sleep paralysis, your mind is unconscious, but you are unable able to move your body. You may also think you see or hear things that aren't really there or experience the sensation of choking or someone sitting on your chest. It can be a frightening experience, but understanding what's behind it can make it feel less stressful. Learn what causes this REM or rapid eye movement phenomenon and how you can lower the chances of it happening to you. 
scientifically speaking, this is what it feels like. As you fall asleep, your body slowly relaxes itself and becomes less responsive to physical signals from your brain. During sleep paralysis, your body begins to go through the relaxation process, but your mind is awake enough to notice that it is no longer controlling your ability to move or speak. Sleep paralysis can also occur when you are in the process of waking up. In this case, your mind regains consciousness before your REM sleep or REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep cycle is finished. During REM sleep, your body is relaxed and your muscles are quote-unquote turned off so that you don't physically act out. Hold on one second, guys. Page turning difficulties because I'm an idiot. Like I mentioned before, I am not a certified medical professional, and things like this just prove it. Let's start that over. During room sleep, your body is relaxed and your muscles are turned off so that you don't physically act out your most vivid dreams. Waking up before the last stage of REM sleep is complete can cause you to hyperventilate and hallucinate, as well as make it seem as though you are unable to move your body. Fortunately, sleep paralysis is temporary and typically lasts for just a few seconds. Sleep paralysis is most common in people with narcolepsy, but it can happen to those without it as well. It affects both men and women and is more likely to happen to teenagers or young adults. It is often genetic and it is most common in those with mental health issues such as anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, or panic disorder. Lack of sleep or shifting sleep schedule can also cause sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis prevention. Although there is no formal treatment for sleep paralysis, you can take certain steps to help prevent it. Make sure you're getting enough sleep each night and stick to a consistent sleep routine. Avoid sleeping on your back, which has been linked to this condition. Talk with your doctor if you are experiencing an underlying mood issues that could contribute to your situation. Remember, although the experience can be scary, sleep paralysis is not dangerous and usually lasts only a few seconds. So that would be the scientific explanation. This is uh, information that has been compiled by the sleepfoundation.org to explain the phenomenon. This is only the scientific explanation. As as we'll get into, um, you know, there are several different paranormal phenomenons that can be attached to sleep paralysis. Uh, We'll save that for the next segment. For now, if you guys are experiencing this type of situation in your own personal life, please consult medical attention. Um, You know, it can be very scary as we'll get into um, things that you can see during sleep paralysis vary. They're mostly all similar, um, but that doesn't make them any less terrifying. If you guys want to seek more information about this, please seek out the sleepfoundation.org. Check out their website. They don't just deal with sleep paralysis. They deal with any types of sleeping issues, narcolepsy, um, insomnia, um, all of that stuff. So please, please, if you're having these issues, please consult them. As early as ancient Mesopotamia, circa 2000 BCE, to the Roman Empire, a demon known as the Incubus was responsible for your bad dreams. 
that's Incubus as the opposite of a succubus, not the 2000s new metal band. Imagine waking up in the middle of a sleep paralysis episode and a shirtless Brandon Boyd is standing at the end of your bed covered in tattoos, wearing baggy jeans and skate shoes, and he slowly climbs up on your chest and starts singing Stellar. Incubus originates from the Latin meaning to sit on in this case. The incubus was said to sit on top of your chest, inducing horrifying dreams and physical immobility, thus making it the first documented explanation of sleep paralysis. The scenario is famously depicted in the painting The Nightmare by Anglo-Swiss artist Henry Fuseli. It was painted in 1781, and it depicts a woman in deep sleep with her arms thrown back and a demonic ape-like incubus sitting on her chest. In the background looking on on the scene is an all-black horse, hence the name Nightmare. It makes you wonder if Brandon Boyd and his homies um, knew what they were doing when they named their band that. As far as that segment goes, it was nice to know you. Goodbye. To me, the paralysis always happens in cycles. I always sleep on my side or my stomach. A recurring experience for me is feeling something evil floating over my bed, slowly coming down towards me. Even though I never see it directly, I somehow always know it has this very white grin on its face. It may not sound very scary coming to think of it, but the fact that it's always the same damn grin makes me feel super creeped out. Two other well-documented entities associated with sleep paralysis disorder are the old hag and the hatman entity. The hatman entity is more like a shadow person. He has other documented um, type phenomenon that are associated with him, but he does also appear in some sleep paralysis stories, and we'll get a little bit deeper into those now. The old hag entity is a name given to a supernatural creature used to explain the sleep paralysis phenomenon. Um, victims report primarily three different entities. She is one of them. Um, she appears as a wizened old woman or a hag or a witch-like entity. Um, similar to the succubus, she comes to you in the middle of the night when you're immobilized. You can see her, you can hear her, you can't move. She sits upon your chest, sometimes she laughs. In most documented cases, she climbs on top of you, sits onto your chest, holds your arms down as you're laying there immobilized, staring at this entity in paralyzed fear. You open your mouth to scream, but no noise comes out. It is at this time that the old hag, or the witch entity, vomits black smoke into your mouth, pouring into your lungs, as all you can do is lay there in horror, immobilized. So with that explanation, what better thing to do than to read a story 
about the old hag. One night, I left my windows open to let the breeze in. I don't remember falling asleep, but I was paralyzed when I regained awareness. I remember seeing black rain and could feel my body weighing five times its normal weight. I was sinking into bed slightly. I turned my head and I saw what looked like a gray alien smiling at me. It wasn't easy to move, but I slowly forcefully crawled to the edge of my bed to fall off and hopefully wake up someone in the house. I could feel its thoughts as they were connected to mine. I wasn't supposed to be moving. Was the emotion I felt from the being? But I did. I reached the edge, falling head first. When I hit the floor, I was awake in bed face down, like was when I first realized I was aware. My windows were still open and I could feel the breeze. I was sleeping one night when I suddenly awoke. The room was exactly as it was when I fell asleep. I couldn't move or scream. I saw an old, scary lady standing in front of my window. She quickly moved to me and started choking me. It seemed like at least 10 minutes before she let go and disappeared. I then could move and scream. I was terrified, but would no longer sleep in that room. Now let's dive into the Hatman Entity. The phenomenon has attracted widespread attention, inspiring documentaries on the subject and the launch of a dedicated blog, The Hatman Project. People can share their experiences. So who or what is the Hatman? It is not a new phenomenon. For about as long as written records have existed, people have described a frightening nighttime vision that paralyzes them with fear and seems to suck the breath right out of them. Often by pressing directly on their chest. The entity has stalked human beings throughout history, not merely within a particular society or during a specific time, says Shelley Adler in her book Sleep Paralysis, Nightmares, Nocebos, and the Mind-Body Connection. Among the Canadian Inuit, the word ukamankarik described this awake but paralyzed feeling. The Japanese call it kanashibari. In the field of sleep research, this experience is termed sleep paralysis. An individual in the process of falling asleep or awakening finds him herself, himself or herself completely awake but unable to move or speak. Frequently, he or she sees a shadowy or indistinct shape approaching and becomes increasingly terrified. This entity would be the hat man. Described as an all-black mask with only the whites of his eyes and teeth showing. The outline of his shadow clearly shows a flat-brim hat, similar to that one that The Undertaker wears, if you guys are familiar with the WWE wrestling. Could it be him? I don't know. Is that why you get choked in your sleep? Because you're about to get choke-slammed straight to hell? Possibly. A 2017 paper 
by leading neuroscientists Balan Jalal and V.S. Ramchandran proposed neuro neurological theories for why some people hallucinate shadowy figures during sleep paralysis. Rapid eye movement, or REM, sleep often creates the most emotionally charged dreams, so our brain paralyzes our body to ensure we don't hurt ourselves. Sometimes we wake up mentally while still under the spell of REM paralysis, and the vivid, sometimes paralyzing dreams of REM sleep can spill over into emerging wakefulness. So without further ado, let's get into some terrifying stories about the Hatman Entity. presence in the bedroom with you. You open your eyes and your worst nightmare is standing at the foot of your bed. It's real and you can't move a muscle. Only white eyes and white smiling teeth stare at you from the end of the room. All you can do is watch in horror as he slowly makes his way towards you. He slowly clamors upon you and sits on your chest. Your chest burns and your scalp tingles. All you can do is look, mouth agape in horror. He leans slowly down to where his grinning teeth or just beside your ear. And he says in his voice that only he could possess a powerful dark entity from God knows where. You can't move, can you? He slowly lifts his head back up and vomits a black, dark, liquid-like smoke substance into your throat. Your chest burns. Your scalp tingles more until the tingle becomes an itching and the itching becomes an intense burn. All you want to do is scream. All you want to do is thrash around to get this evil bastard off of you. But you can't, can you? You can't move. You can't talk. You can't do anything until he's had his way with you. Alright guys, I found an absolutely excellent article that is pertinent to this topic of the Shadow Man and this episode. Um, it, was, it comes to us from theweekendweird.com and it's written by Dana Matthews. Now, Dana Matthews, if you don't know who she is, um, she's a very important person in the paranormal community. If you guys are into the paranormal and you don't know who Dana Matthews or Greg Newkirk are, definitely go and seek them out and their content. Um, they're most notably known for the documentaries Hellier and Hellier 2 um, that 
end up being one thing, but by the end of it kind of be an investigation into synchronicities and strange paranormal happenings. Um, they're excellent documentaries. They also run the Weekend Weird website. Um, they have a traveling museum of paranormal and cursed objects. Um, and they're just all around pretty awesome people. Um, and they do some awesome stuff in the paranormal field. But anyway, she wrote this article on the website called Investigating the Link Between the Shadow Man Phenomena and the Terrifying Hat Man Visitations. And I'm going to go ahead and read that for you guys now. Alright folks, so this is going to be the beginning of the interview. Go ahead and introduce yourself for the listening public. Christy Miller. That's right folks, that's my wife, Christy Miller. So definitely a special guest. Um, first and foremost, what do you think about me doing this podcast? I'm indifferent so far. Indifferent so far? I know you've voiced concerns about it taking away from family time. But uh, I got around that loophole by including family time into the pro podcasting process. So does that work? Easy way out, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about sleep paralysis here um, and your experiences with it. So how many times have you had a sleep paralysis episode? One time. One time that you know of for sure? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you didn't have any before we met? Not that I can remember. Okay, and you don't remember having any, like, super vivid nightmares or anything like that that could, could have been sleep paralysis now that you look back on it? Um, I usually always have some pretty intense nightmares. But nothing like the experience that I I had. So having weird dreams is not anything new for you? No. Okay. Um, have you had any intense dreams since your sleep paralysis episode that I witnessed you having? Um, I did just have a very intense dream last night where uh, I watched you die. Oh, that's right. You told me about that one. Um, something happened, we got into a fight at a park, and I got shot, you said? Yep. That's, uh, interesting. I'll have to look into and do some studying on... Death premonitions? Death premonitions, yeah, but not only that, but if sleep paralysis, most of the suffering victims have already vivid dreams, or if they just have random one-off sleep paralysis episodes out of nowhere... Because it seems like most of the investigation and things that I've looked up, sleep paralysis sufferers have a lot of episodes. As far as I know you having, you've only had the one really vivid episode. And you haven't had anything before or since. No. Now they say sleep paralysis is related to mostly people that have high anxiety, depression issues, PTSD, things of that nature. Um, I don't know how much you're willing to discuss in this interview, but I know you do have some issues suffering with some of those. Are you willing to discuss that? Sure. So let's talk about the depression thing. How often do you suffer from bouts of depression? Every, every couple of weeks. Every couple of weeks. But you don't have intense sleep paralysis episodes coupled with that. No. Do you think that's because we talk about your depression issues openly? Could be. And that 
you know, it's not something that you're suppressing in or holding in. We do talk about it quite frequently and we discuss. And I've known, I know now, I didn't at the beginning of the relationship, but after being with you for a while now, I know your triggers. I know what to avoid. I know when you're in a mood where you don't want to talk or when you do want to talk. And I try not to push you when you're in those kinds of moods. Do you think that's helping? I do. I can say that the sleep paralysis episode that I did have did happen before we started talking about my mental health openly before we started that open dialogue. Okay. Now, with your sleep paralysis experience, do you think it was purely stress-related? Do you think it was something more going on? Do you think it was just a vivid dream that got out of hand? Do you agree with the scientific explanation of sleep paralysis about it being rapid eye movement sleep and your brain not shutting all the way down before you wake up? I totally think it is supernatural. Okay, so without a shadow of a doubt, you think it's something extra going on. Okay, well, without any further ado, we're going to get into Christy's sleep paralysis story. So go ahead and sit back and then listen. So I have to say that before my experience, I had no idea what sleep paralysis was, the commonalities between person to person. I woke up the next morning and immediately told my husband that if I started acting differently in the next couple of weeks, it was because I had been possessed the night before. And he was like, what are you talking about? So I told him the story that I'm about to tell you. I woke up in the middle of the night. It was dark. There was strange music playing outside of our window. Kind of like a Pied Piper type of flute music. I couldn't move. At the time, we used to sleep with our bedroom window open and our door open. And I could see a a black mass in our hallway. It started to slowly get closer. And I could see the shape of an old woman witch type figure as she crawled on top of my body she sat in my chest and I tried screaming but nothing came out I tried moving my arms and my legs trying to get my husband's attention I couldn't move as I was screaming my mouth opened wide she vomited a black smoke into my mouth and just as quick as it had started it was over I she disappeared and I could move again but I was still struggling so I started flailing as soon as my body would move I punched my husband then he got mad at me so the next morning when I told him my story he said that was sleep paralysis and I was like I don't know what you're talking about and he knew exactly that it was an old hag sleep paralysis 
that I had just endured. This is a story from HistoryChannel.com. Um, it's a story on the inspiration for the movie A Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, the reason is that rele is relevant to this episode is the fact that Wes Craven was inspired to create that movie when he read a story about Vietnamese sleeping deaths. And if you're not sure what those are, let me go ahead and read this to you. Um, and it will explain everything. So this is an article on thehistorychannel.com posted on October 30th, 2018 by Thad Morgan. How a terrifying wave of unexplained deaths led to a nightmare on Elm Street. The syndrome that inspired Freddy Krueger afflicted a very specific group of people. In 1984, Wes Craven introduced the world to one of the most iconic horror films of all time. A Nightmare on Elm Street. His creation of Freddy Krueger as a demon who kills teens in their sleep was heinous, terrifying, and literally ripped from the headlines. Craven found inspiration for the landmark horror film through an article that was published in the LA Times. He recounted the story of a refugee child from the Cambodian genocide who was terrified to sleep for fear that he would be attacked in his dreams and never wake up. When he finally fell asleep, his parents through this crisis was over. I'm sorry, when he finally fell asleep, his parents thought this crisis was over. Then they heard screams in the middle of the night. Craven told Vulture, by the time they got to him, he was dead. He died in the middle of a nightmare. The story Craven described wasn't an isolated incident. Dozens of Southeast Asian refugees in America died for unknown reasons in their sleep during the 1980s. The mysterious deaths were usually among young men in their 20s and 30s from the Hmong ethnic group and affected a large enough segment of this population to alarm public health experts. The people suffering from this puzzling ailment were typically refugees from Laos, a small landlocked country in Southeast Asia. The Hmong minority group had been persecuted in Laos after they were recruited by the CIA to fight North Vietnamese soldiers during the Vietnam War. More than 30,000 Hmong soldiers helped the U.S. fight communism in the Northern Highlands where they lived, but died at a rate 10 times higher than that of their American counterparts. In 1975, the Vietnam War ended. Laos became a communist country. The new leadership there viewed Hmong as traitors for their work with the U.S. Many survivors from the war fled their homes after the war to become refugees in Thailand or the United States. It was a forced migration under most trying of conditions, says Dr. Kathiyara Um, associate professor at UC Berkeley and author of Southeast Asian Migration, People on the Move in Search of Work, Refuge, and Belonging. It was a very long journey, and a very treacherous journey. The group's troubles did not end with resettlement, as they often remained traumatized by their experience back home. These are people who endured a great deal and had been subjected to a great deal, Um says. Hmong refugees in the U.S. suffered from a high rate of poverty and soon a mysterious ailment 
seemed to befall them. Like Freddy Krueger's targets in A Nightmare on Elm Street, many of the afflicted were teenagers and young men. Headlines such as mysterious fatal malady striking Hmong men and night deaths of Asian men unexplained ran in the LA Times throughout the late 70s and early 80s, any one of which could have sparked Wes Craven's imagination. One 1981 article describes the scene of a Laotian refugee who relocated to the U.S. from a refugee camp in Thailand with his family. Shortly after settling in his new country, 47-year-old Yang Ling Tao died in his sleep with his wife beside him in tears. He was the fourth Hmong man to die while sleeping in nine months, and the 13th nocturnal Hmong death recorded since 1978, according to the article. Investigators could find no medical explanation for the deaths, but many community members attributed the deaths to chemical nerve agents that refugee soldiers of the Vietnam War would have been exposed to. That theory was not supported by doctors, however. Nerve gas does not act this way. There's no evidence, said Dr. Larry V. Lumen, County Medical Examiner, in the LA Times article. Secondly, if it was nerve gas, why does it affect only males, and why only during the night? Other Hmong believed they were being punished by the spirits of their ancestors for leaving their homeland. Their anxiety centered around the inability to do right by your ancestral spirits because you're not there, or because you don't have the right things to perform the rituals the right way, says Dr. Um. I do think that for many of the Hmong of that generation, the traditional explanation remains salient, if not more salient than explanations related to cardiovascular problems. The fatal ailment, later classified as Sudden Unexplained Nocturnal Death Syndrome, or SUNS, has been investigated by the Center for Disease Control at length. However, the wave of SUNS deaths among Southeast Asians, particularly the Hmong group, is still unexplained. Dr. Um suggests the years of stress that Hmong endured could be a factor in the disease. Was that a reflection of what kind of stressors that came with being forcibly removed from a familiar world to a completely alien and sometimes even hostile context, she asks? The threat of this mysterious death sentence given to Hmong refugees may be even more frightening than the fictional serial murderer that it inspired. Many of the Hmong people that were in these circles that were affected by this son's um, sudden sleep death, they believed it was due to a creature that they called Sogsom, T-S-O-G-T-S-U-A-M. Um, they believed that the creature was angry about them leaving their homeland, turning their backs on their traditional ways, and that they were being punished by this creature. In a lot of ways, the Sog Som is very similarly described to um, the old hag from European and American sleep paralysis stories. Um, it's very strange that both cultures have a similar way to describe and explain a phenomenon 
that affects you know everyone globally a lot of people believe that their belief in this creature was so deep that when they had these experiences in their sleep that they believed it so intently they got so terrified that that's what killed them almost like a deadly placebo effect from a bad dream this is an excerpt from an article on theguardian.com referring to the Sog Sum. The Hmong people have a pressure demon that they call Sog Sum. Bizarrely, 117 Hmong refugees from Laos who had relocated to America died unexpectedly in their sleep in the late 1970s and early 80s. Perplexed researchers posited the existence of sons. Sudden, unexpected nocturnal death syndrome. The displaced Laotians, without access to their support networks and the shamans and rituals they usually employed to drive Sog Som away, were under considerably more psychological stress, perhaps is what triggered the cardiac arrhythmia that killed them. So vivid are the hypnagogia, the visual and auditory hallucinations that make sleep paralysis so upsetting for the sufferer, that some sleep researchers feel it is most likely explanation for claims of alien abduction and even cases of demonic possession. I'll fight to regain consciousness and having told myself I have done so will still find that there's some foul presence in my bedroom which then proceeds to punch me in the stomach. At this stage my mind, which seconds ago knew it was experiencing sleep paralysis, is convinced I'm the victim of a real-world demonic attack. And then I wake up. <clears throat> what might appear hokey in a horror film takes on a different timber when it's something you have gone through at 2 a.m. for more than three decades. There's a spectrum of sleep paralysis. Some people find their lives blighted by it and fight to stave it off. Others find it such a rich, otherworldly experience that they can't wait for it next time it happens. My personal feelings are perhaps closest to those of Chris C, the person in the nightmare who seems the most traumatized by what he has gone through. He too finds little solace in sleep, a time when, as he so perfectly puts it, all the darkness looks alive. And this article is written by Andrew Emery on TheGuardian.com. It's called Sleep, A Dark Presence Squats on My Chest, The Waking Nightmare, Sleep Paralysis. I have a friend who has trouble with the Night Witch, or Sog Som, as she calls it. She said it starts by a feeling that the bed is moving. Then she sees her fingers start creeping up from the end of the bed. It ends with them both screaming at each other until she wakes up.
So guys, this is an excerpt from self.com on sleep paralysis. It's about four things you can do during a sleep paralysis episode to alleviate the issues. Um, it says here, unfortunately, you can't just tell yourself to wake up from a sleep paralysis episode. That's what makes it so terrifying. Balan Jalal, a researcher in Cambridge University's Department of Psychiatry, recently proposed a meditation-based approach in Frontiers in Psychology. His four-step approach includes the following. Step 1. Tell yourself that sleep paralysis is common, benign, and temporary. 2. Remind yourself that there's no reason to be afraid. 3. Focus on something besides the paralysis, like a happy vision or mantra. And 4. Try to relax your body and avoid moving until the episode has passed. Now to me, that sounds like he's basically saying mind over matter. Um, I don't see how that would help if you're already afraid and you're already in a fear state. I mean, you're already going to be naturally panicking from not being able to move. Basically, in sleep paralysis, your, your mind is betraying your body. Your mind is keeping you paralyzed. All your body wants to do is wake up and move. And he's basically saying if you tell yourself it's not happening, even though it is happening, you're going to be okay. What do you think about that? I think it's a bunch of bullshit because... When you're seeing something that's not supposed to be there, you you can't tell yourself it's not real. It's right. fucking real. Right. It's that vivid when you see the, the visions. There some, is somebody else in the room with you. Right. Now, when you had your first sleep paralysis episode, that was before we had kids, right? No. I want to say it was after our first kid. Were you pregnant during the time with Harper? I think so. Do you think that may have had anything to do with it? Like increased hormones or... Who knows? Who's no to telling? say? Yeah. I have to look into that too. If, um, if pregnant women are more susceptible to sleep paralysis. I mean, it would make sense that they say you're more susceptible to sleep paralysis if you're stressed out. I've never known anyone that's more stressed out than a pregnant woman. My thing is, how can it be scientific if thousands or tens of thousands of people around the world are having the same exact experience over and over again, and they've never shared their stories with each other, but they're all seeing the same exact thing. How is that science? Well, see, to me, that that proves it more to the theory of science because that's showing that, you know, people's brains are acting similarly. I mean, not everyone's exact experience is exactly the same, but a lot of them are similar, which tells me that whatever's going on, if, if it is explained away by science... That's kind of like a proof more to the scientific end that all the experiences are similar in nature. But that's or, just me. That's my thinking. 
or these entities are really coming after us. Yeah, that's another thing. And that's one of the things that a lot of people that do believe that it is a spiritual entity that's responsible for it. That's one point they go to because it doesn't matter what your religion is. It doesn't matter what country you grew up in. It doesn't matter what deities you pray to. Um, you know, these entities, we have a group of people that migrated from Laos after Vietnam that experiences the old hag or what they call the Sog Som. They do have a different name for it, for it because they have different beliefs and they have a different language. But if you look at the stories and you look at the explanations behind them, the Sog Som and the old hag are basically the same entity. Same thing with the old hat man um, entity. A lot of the stories and a lot of the names for him are different. But essentially, the description of him is almost exactly the same. Everyone sees a dark silhouette. Everyone sees that hat feature, extremely prominent. Some people see him as having white eyes. Some people see him having yellow. Some people see him have him, have, seeing him have red eyes. A lot of people describe his smile as being the most vivid thing. Sometimes he has yellow teeth. Sometimes he has white. But essentially, it's all the same thing. Um, so I guess it's up for you guys to decide. What do you think about sleep paralysis? Do you think it's um, scientific? Is it spiritual? Is it something that is a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, that we have no idea what it is yet? Our human understanding at this point is not to the level of comprehension to where we can fully explain it. Um, so, yeah. I just want to take a couple, few seconds to apologize for all the background notification sounds. Um, you know, talk about phenomenon and synchronicities. No one wants to text me all day or call me. Soon as I start recording for the podcast on the phone, I'm the most popular person on the planet at that point in time. So please excuse the little background dings, pops, pings, and whatever else you hear. Um, you know, this is a DIY podcast. I do approach this podcast with the punk rock attitude of fuck it. So I hope it doesn't irritate you guys too much. And I hope it doesn't affect the listening of the show. And I appreciate you guys looking past it. So thank you. Thank you.